What is your value system? What is you need to constantly like question your identity because other people want to define it for you. Why are you designing? What's the intention behind the work that you make? Is it Hello and welcome to Trash Club's podcast, Behind the Bins, where we take a deep dive into the minds of creative leaders and thinkers. Trash Club is a global community and professional network bringing together independent creators from all around the world. My name is Matthew Needham and I'm the co-founder of Trash Club. And if you'd like to learn more about our community and all the work of our amazing members, you can check us out on social media at Trash Club Hub or via our website, www.thetrashclub.co.uk. So with that being said, let's get on with the show. Hello everyone and welcome to the Trash Club Behind the Bins podcast. So today's episode is entitled Growth. Uh, this episode will touch on redefining success and giving reference to Trash Club's value, which is responsibility, or one of Trash Club's values is responsibility. So we're designers, artists, and creatives, we have a responsibility to each other, ourselves, and the planet. But how do we balance this with redefining and understanding what success means to us. So welcome, welcome both. Hi, Jawara, hi, Jennifer. Um, could you please both introduce yourself? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hi, everyone. Um, this is uh, Jennifer from Anciela. So um, Anciela is um, Conscious Women's Wear label based in London. Um, I founded it four years ago, it's been, well. Uh, and yeah, I mean, we do a lot of things, but it just has become this sort of platform to support like other creatives and multidisciplinary artists and all based here in London. Uh, I mean, I guess that's a little bit what I do. I do a bit of, you know, teaching talks, workshops as well, but as we all do, I guess. Thanks so much. Hello, everybody. I am Jawara Aline of Jawara Aline. I run a brand based in London, but I'm from the Caribbean. Um, a lot of my work looks at identity and culture and circularity. Um, I've, I guess, developed a brand ethos that really sort of looks at the values of um, what it was like to sort of start a brand within the Caribbean and how did I take those values within a space such as London and create something that felt um, honest to my experience and honest to my culture. Um, but in a way that didn't exoticize any of it. It was just taking the sort of value systems and ethos and um, building something new out of them, essentially. Um, I work a lot with draping, I work a lot with styling, identity. Um, I also tutor on the BA and the MA at Central St. Martins. Um, yeah, so that's me. Thank you so much. And just to briefly introduce myself, so my name is Matthew Needham. I am the co-founder of Trash Club, uh, which is a global network and creative community. Uh, we were founded in 2021. Uh, I co-founded the Trash Club with uh, my colleague, Katie Mason, a very, very good friend of mine. Um, and we really wanted to create this space for creatives to connect and find uh, solace in each other and support each other through genuine, authentic growth. Um, every week we have a trash talk, um, which is what these podcasts are now celebrating and based on. Um, and one of the themes that is a very recurring theme in trash talk is the idea of defining success. Um, so thinking about growth within ourselves, growth as creatives, there's a lot of personal growth there as a creative, um, but also professional growth, understanding the space, the industry, what it's like to work with each other um, in collaborative spaces. Uh, so my first question actually is to Jennifer. 
Uh, so Jennifer, you studied in Holland. Did. Um, and thinking about studying in Europe and obviously coming from South America, um, how did this experience redefine what success means to you? Was it something that you were introduced to, something that you were exposed to beforehand? Did you have a change of viewpoint? I mean, I guess it was really funny. I guess, especially in, in Amsterdam where I studied, like there weren't a lot of Latinos at all. So I guess, and this was 2010, so pre everything that we talk about now. So I feel like the times where I studied was very different, like some, you know, culture and like diversity was not celebrated at all. It was on the opposite. It was kind of like suppressed, like they were, you know, it was not a, an easy time to be a student back then. Um, I think we were only like three Latinos in the whole building. So like our tutors were all white, Dutch, British. So like they would not necessarily get you know, when you come with your references and you want to involve your culture and your design, that like they just didn't get it. So it was always like, oh, but this is like way too colorful. Like, why do you want to do that? Like they were all trying to funnel us through uh, the same sort of aesthetic that they wanted to push that, um, you know, the students and like how certain aesthetic needed to look. Mm -hmm. So it was always kind of battling a little bit the, you know, the, the your design aesthetic. So it was not easy, to be honest. But in, on the other end, it makes you a bit more resilient as well, because, you know, I guess coming from uh, the global south and being like, you know, coming from colonized countries, like you grow up with this like identity crisis a mm -hmm. little bit because you are like a little bit of everything. You're a bit indigenous, you're a bit like Spanish, you're a bit European. So like you have all this mixed background. So you grew up with like everything and you're never too much of this. Like I was born in Colombia, but my siblings are from Chile. So in Chile, you're never Chilean enough. In Colombia, you're not Colombian enough. So already like I had this when I was a child and then coming to Europe, it's even more because then going to university, I was very conservative. Um, yeah, you need to constantly like question your identity because other people want to define it for you. So I guess the challenge was like, um, go against the grain and say, no, let me explain you what South American is, like where I come from and like, how is that defined? So it was a battle. It was not easy. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. No, it's really interesting because I think it's something that we talk a lot um, about within academia today. Um, I'm actually studying my teaching degree at the moment, and it's something that uh, keeps coming up a lot in the conversations within fashion. Um, Obviously, it's taught very much from a Eurocentric perspective, and it's something that is, you know, maybe not spoken about openly, but it does influence the way in which a lot of academics teach. A lot of academics within fashion are white European, including myself, white European academics. And so the perspective of what's perceived as as something that's great and something that's not so great or something that's aesthetically brilliant or uh, maybe a bit too out there is maybe it's an interesting conversation is it because we think about how the opinion of the tutor or the lecturer in which you connect with or who teaches you has opinion over your work but who you know who is to define what is mm -hmm. success to you in that degree has it changed since you've been within industry do you feel or like having your own brand and having your own platform absolutely like a hundred percent i think also i have changed like i've come to terms to that it's always going to be a struggle, but that's okay. It mm -hmm. makes it even more interesting. So most of the times I love the sort of, I'll prove you wrong. You know, you tell me what you want to tell me. I'll prove you wrong. It's okay. It might take a little bit longer. Like it is a slower route. Absolutely. But 
you know, times are changing. I'm really hopeful. Like, it, I know it's very difficult, but I'm always very positive, very hopeful that things are changing, things are looking up. And like what you said, even in academia, they're really like working hard to change it. But that's one of the reasons why I left Holland and I came to London, because for me, I lived here, did a gap year like back in uh, 2008. And I was exposed to this incredible, diverse city, and I just did not have that in Amsterdam. So I came here immediately, you know, with a no job, like an internship, and you just make it work. It wasn't easy, but, you know, you're like sort of hustling, and it's, you still do. So the idea for me of success, it has changed, but also I understood that it's something that never ends. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you can keep growing. Growth is like unlimited. So it re- is some, something so personal for everyone, what success means. And you can have milestones. Like, that's how I look at it now, perhaps like with age and being in this industry for like 10 years. You realize there's milestones, there's uh, objectives and things and goals you want to achieve. But success is an absolute thing. It, I don't think it exists, or at least personally, I don't think it's a concept as simple as that. It's very nuanced. Mm-hmm. No, 100%. We'll definitely come back to this as well in the definition of success. Um, Jawara, Hello. Hello. So, considering your upbringing in the Cayman Islands, how do you feel like you relate to this to this question? I mean, <clears throat> I think it's very interesting because um, I sort of second everything that you say. Um, for me, I've once I left the Caribbean, I was actually very happy at that point to leave um, that space because I felt like it was not. Um, very supportive to me as an individual, as an artist. Um, So I was happy to be able to actually leave and to come to London and study. Um, When I left, I was sort of kind of looking at um, the Eurocentric world of fashion with sort of glazed eyes being like, oh my God, it's so great over there. Everything is going to be so incredible. But what I actually found when I got here was that I was forced to question my own identity. I was forced to question Mm -hmm. um, what it means to be me, what it means to design from my own point of view. Because I was designing when I was in the Cayman Islands before I came to London. Um, So it was sort of carrying on a conversation of what um, ethics and value systems and aesthetics I'd already started developing. Um, and finding a way to sort of not to hold on to that, because I think a lot of what happens when you come to study in a Europe, Eurocentric sort of, um, society is that you are taught what the society is expecting you to, to produce, um, not necessarily what you should be producing, essentially, Mm -hmm. um, you're taught this is what works for this space that you're in, um, fall in line or not. Um, and essentially what you have to do is just you just have to figure out how to find yourself within this space, which is very difficult when you don't have um, tutors or you don't have anyone around you who says that um, what you're doing actually might be valuable. You just have to work a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. Um what I find as well, now that I'm sort of a tutor and now that I'm in this position to be able to advise, I never try to put my own personal aesthetics in the way of um, a learning experience for a student because what I like is not necessarily what everybody else likes. Yeah, 100%. Um, so what I always try to sort of 
explain, especially to the students who come from backgrounds like mine, who I know that when I was in uni at LCF, um, it was impossible to find anything about Caribbean fashion, even though that I, I knew that Jamaica in particular was has been referenced so many different times in fashion, but finding those references were just few and far between. Um, but also we have our own sort of fashion identity and culture and fashion week, but the, that information hasn't really been captured. Mm-hmm. Um, so from going through those experiences, I can now tell students who are looking for the same information of um, finding themselves within fashion um, that it's probably not in the library at CSM because they don't have those books. You just have to find a way to get to that information um, and not to be discouraged by the fact that the information isn't in front of you because sometimes it just takes a little bit deeper. You have to dig a little bit deeper to be able to really find value in your own personal experiences and that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know? And thinking about growth, so as a professional, as a creative, we continuously grow because we're influenced by the people around us, by mm-hmm. things we see, the places in which we live. Do you feel like your growth has changed in a different way um, in Europe than if you'd stayed in the Cayman Islands? Oh, totally, 100%. Yeah. I think I needed, to leave. I needed to leave to get an understanding of what um, the industry was actually like and what the... Um, how it actually looks to start and run a fashion business or a fashion practice. Mm -hmm. Um, Because a lot of what we don't have in the Caribbean is industry. You don't have sort of a system or a network that connects designers with musicians and performers. And um, I think that that is missing. Um, So I needed to come to London to sort of understand what that industry actually looks like and understand what it looks like really to start and run a studio and how you can create a business out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so in in one sense, I've grown in that regard, but also I think being in London has given my work a lot more integrity and value because I think London fashion and culture and subculture has taken a lot from my own culture. Um, looking at the Rastafarians that were in London back in the 90s, looking at the Windrush generation, looking at the influence of music on London um, subcultures and further London fashion culture. Um, I think being in, being in London has sort of validified my own experience and point of view because now that I've been able to dig a little bit deeper by looking at subcultures, looking at history, looking at um, the movement of sort of music and culture within the space of London, I can see that actually there's a lot that's coming out of my culture that's very valuable, even though it's not what's put at the forefront of what these collections have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I've definitely learned a lot about fashion from the industry side of things, but also from my own personal development of the value of what I have to say. Mm -hmm. Um, I think this space has sort of, it really forces you to trust in your own intuition, which is also something that I learned from being at CSM, is that you really just have to trust your own intuition. Nobody's gonna do your work for you. Everyone's work as a designer is individual and different, and you can't really look around the room. You have to figure out what it is that you have to say, what is your value systems, what is your sense of integrity, and lead with that. And everything else will fall in place. Mm -hmm. And your work is so much about your identity as well. Is there a specific reason for that? Um, It's quite an open-ended question. I, yes and no. 
Um, I think in one and one side of the conversation, you were speaking about diversity, and that is something that I find to be very important because I come from a space where both when I was growing up in Jamaica and in Cayman, I was never just surrounded by people who looked like me. I was always surrounded by a group, a network of people that were very different to me. And I think my parents, my mother, my family actually made sure that we were exposed to um, situations that forced us to see that the world is not just, doesn't just look like our world. Mm -hmm. There's so many different worlds that are kind of coexisting um, together. And I think that's the value of what the Caribbean also has to offer. Um, but I think in one side, in one sense, there was a huge conversation um, about diversity within fashion a couple of years ago. Um, and out of that, I started a project, um, an agency with my friend Campbell Addy. And the importance of that was just really kind of hammering how important diversity is to our generation. And what's it called? Uh, it was called Knee Agency. Okay. Um, and that was just really sort of us understanding the value of diversity and how that was such an important thing to our experience. Um, so that's one thing that kind of led into the rest of the work that I do. Um, but also representation, I think, is really important. And I think um, there is value in my story. There is value in... Um, an experience like mine, because my experience, and as much as my work is about my identity, it's not about me. Mm -hmm. It's about people who have shared experiences like the experiences that I shared. Um, people who see themselves in societies that treat um, fabrication with a, a sense of value and integrity. Um, societies that are built on circular systems. I think a lot of Caribbean societies, though they're very different, there are certain value systems that run throughout. Um, and Southern American societies as well, because a lot of those teachings travel throughout the region. Um, so I think for me, when I'm looking at my identity, it's not about me. It's about the experience that I have that many other people can share and conversations that are actually being talked about where, I mean, we're having a huge discourse about circularity and sustainability mm -hmm. within fashion. Um, but we rarely ever touch on the fact that actually there are many societies that have a holistic relationship with the environment around them and a circular and manage to build a circular society that we never really pull into the conversation. We're always talking about sustainability from this point of view that kind of places the problem in such a way that actually seems like we've never talked about this before. We've never mm -hmm. really tackled these issues before, but actually there are societies all around the world that have find, found a really um, harmonious way to live with the society, mm -hmm. the, the surrounding around them. 100%. Let's definitely talk about that now. So think about sustainability and thinking mm -hmm. about, I mean, obviously, for you and Ciela, craft is so important within your work and the practice that you, that you have. Um, but thinking about sustainability within this system within a fashion system we, you briefly mentioned Joara how a couple of years ago when we started to talk about this idea of social justice or environmental justice on such the scale in which we are now the point for me that I realize is sustainability has been positioned uh, as, a, as a commodity it's positioned in a capitalist system um, trying to push the idea of sustainability or working in a sustainable way within a traditional linear fashion system doesn't work. Mm -hmm. In a Western world, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. When actually many of the processes that we try to attain or replicate 
come from places like the global south for example you know people who have lived with um in harmoniously harmoniously with the earth since they were born you know how has that played a part in the way that you um jennifer talk about um sustainability within your work obviously it's part of your process would you like to talk about about that yeah i mean i guess i was debating for like many years whether i should even start like a brand at all because i was just thinking there's there has to be like a deeper purpose to actually create something because you know like it takes so many resources out of the earth and you know many times i debated is it just like an ego project like what is this like we don't need more fashion brands but then you just need to find what what is it that you need and and what is it that your community needs so you were talking about the collective experience so for me that was the main thing that i saw there's no representation for my latinx community in london so that's needed like a space a safe space to celebrate our culture but also like involve like the diasporic community like the latin community so that i realized was more needed so for me the concept of sustainability like i always have to look at it as like what business model is it really? Mm-hmm. So obviously like there's many choices you can make in how you run your business, but the reality is like that's gonna depend where geographically you live. So I think the main problem with Europe and, and European like businesses is they're always trying to look at it very global. Like the ideas for most people of sustainability is like how to push the problem somewhere else. Like they don't realize that it's not that you're, you know, you throw away something <clears throat> like you, you're just pushing the problem to someone else. So like what we're realizing now is like it's come to these like horrific like numbers that the global south doesn't want like your trash anymore. So it's like, wow, now we're questioning on how to deal with our own waste. And sometimes it is really common sense, like even going beyond fashion. And I think that that I've been quite lucky that I have a lot of friends that are very conscious as well and conscious living. So beyond like what we wear is like how we live. Like we never realize you have a mixed recycling bag. What does that mean? Where does it go? Like, do you even go to the recycling center and see what mm-hmm. that what that is? But then you we there's so many missed opportunities. Like even just we could be composting at home in like a box that is very small. I mean, little things like that. So for me, it was like, how can I hack this? Like, how can I sort of combine what I know how to do, which is fashion, you know, good sewing, um, get people together, produce something. How can I combine that with the values that not only in my practice, but also as a human being, like those values that are really important to me on ethical living, how can I combine it all and just make it like work for this society that I live in? Like I do live in London, it's a privileged position to be here, but the challenge is always like how you know, just to make it work. And that for me is what sustainability is. Like you make it work within your surroundings. You're not pushing your problem, your waste to the global south, to like the city next door, to your neighbor, like you are dealing with that. So that's part of the circularity and that can be specifically with waste and how you manufacture things, or it can be also in a social way. Like how do you, you know, you support your community and that you think of sustainability in a way of culture like how do you celebrate your culture so you decolonize certain concepts you know so it Mm -hmm. is a very holistic view on Mm -hmm. things that's what it means to me at least no 100 i think when we talk about the idea of social justice sustainability social sustainability cultural sustainability and environmental sustainability it's a conversation that i bring up a lot with my students as well so for anyone who doesn't know so i'm the sustainability lecturer at central martins for fashion um and 
the question I always ask the students is, what's your purpose? Yeah. Like, what's your value system? And trying to grasp that element of yourself as an artist or as a creative before you consider putting it into your work yes. is so important. Mm. Yeah. And I think when, you know, when we have these trash talks and within Trash Club, it's so much about aligning that inner and outer mm. self. Like, what's your output? But also, where do you sit within yourself? Like, where does your value system sit? But then when we think about that and we put it within a traditional, let's say, capitalist structure, yeah. this idea of growth as success, uh, you have to be a really big company to be successful. Mm. How do you both feel about about that, putting putting that into that system? You kind of briefly mentioned it, Jennifer, before. Um, but obviously, as you, when you come to a point in time where your practice maybe needs to go um, into one direction to be able to sustain yourself. Uh-huh. How do you find that balance? So, yes, something we, it's not like popular opinion, but a sustainable business also means that you can economically sustain yourself. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's all beautiful that you have, like, these amazing ethical values. But if at the end of the day you're not um, making enough to sustain yourself, you know, that's the literally where it dies. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, whether you're an artist and everything that you do, you, you kind of need to look at it on how are you going to sustain yourself. Or if it's just like a, a passion project that you're just going to keep it going and have like 10 jobs on the side, which is also fine. A lot of people do that. It's just the way kind of it is. But I think um, it's just kind of thinking of opportunities. I mean, for me, it's just been that like I'm still a super outsider. I don't know anyone, which again, it just makes you like work for it really hard because then you need to get to know the people. You need to get the work out there. And you just, I don't know, your mind starts working that way. You start mm -hmm. seeing opportunities, connection everywhere, constantly when you're going for a walk, when you're doing this. So in a way, you just become that person that just is a connector, but also a facilitator. And I forgot what the question was really, but <laughs> I'm getting there, I think. <laughs> no, for sure. But can you think of an example? So think about a project or a collection maybe that you worked on where you really had to consider that balance of your value system and the idea of growth or, or to be successful, to make a project successful. Like what does that, what did that oh, look like? Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a really difficult question. What is success? Like you launch a collection, a capsule collection. Does it mean it got featured in Vogue? Does that mean the collection was a success? Does it mean, oh, you got a new stock? Is, is that success? Mm -hmm. Because obviously on the surface, it's again a milestone and it's amazing. But if you look deeper, like when you get a new, when you do a wholesale, but you do like ethical production where you're paying people like living wage in London, you actually sometimes don't make that much money. So in terms of like business, is that a success then when you're just breaking even or just like making less of a loss? Mm -hmm. So how do we define that really? Like, you know, as a small business, I think you define your successes perhaps in, you know, when, when you're creating value for yourself and your community. Yeah. Obviously money, yes, point. like it's great. But for me, I realized there's a lot more value in like having you know, your local customer, that you make something beautiful for them. It fits well. They love the fabric. They love the fact that it's been made here mm. by you. And I, for me, that has more value than a shop buying like, I don't know, 50 garments that perhaps are not going to sell mm -hmm. and it's going to go where, question mark. So it really is very nuanced. I think as a small business owner, for me, it's just being able to create some value for myself and my community and try to make it as circular as I can with my limited resources that I have. Uh -huh. And just 
you know, make sure that it's it's given something back. I feel like we always forget, and especially as the ego and the artist, uh, you know, had comes in and we always think, oh, me, 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 me. But no, it's like we are part of this ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So for me, success in that sense is like you are being in, you know, in this harmony with your ecosystem. Yeah. So that, but that's very personal to me. I've just realized after four years of having Anciela that that's what gives me a lot of joy. It's like I'm giving back, but I'm also getting so much um, back. Mm -hmm. So it, it's that sort of balance of like these symbiosis and, you know, beautiful gain. And that just happens from projects that you sometimes on the surface, it doesn't seem like it's very profitable or might not give you a lot. But then the gain is so much more like when you collaborate with someone you know, that can bring so much knowledge to you and you give them knowledge and then you create this beautiful hybrid of like culture and like talent. That's the thing about London, it attracts a lot of talent and mm -hmm. everyone is hungry for it, you know. And I think when you embrace that collaboration and, you know, you understand that you're just a small piece yeah. within this like ecosystem, I feel like that for me is success, I guess. Yeah. There's more nuance than that, of course. I mean, I'm still very early stages of my business, so that might change in five years. Mm -hmm. But I think it's a, it's a massive uh, case of relearning yes. what we've been taught, you know, through an education system, through an industry that's like inputting a sort of systemic uh, one perspective of what or one definition of what success means or what yeah. we should be doing. Yeah. Um, and actually within Trash Club, when we first started out, that conversation was purely an organic conversation mm -hmm. to really just figure out what we were doing. Yeah. Um, it started, you know, during COVID and a lot of us were working from our bedrooms. There was no support, no financial support, no holistic support. And so it was really kind of a, a case of just finding each other, you know, and now we have this community. I think all these conversations we have each week, you really grow as a, an individual and you realize that actually being part of this uh, group of uh, a community that also shares your worries, the strengths, um, the same perspectives, maybe different perspectives, really helps you to grow as a human being. Um, and I'm actually just thinking as well, Jawara, so when we graduate from MA, so we graduated in 2020 together, mm -hmm. the MA fashion at CSM. Um, and I think at that point for me, this is right before COVID wow. happened, right? Yeah. Remember, it was like two months before we graduated. Yeah. Wow. And um, at that point, I'd been through, uh, you know, a fashion system. I'd been supported by, you know, British Fashion Council, uh, these scholarships, stuff like that. And I was almost setting myself up to become a part of that system. Mm -hmm. And then leaving, realizing actually, this is not where my values align. My work is all about upcycling, waste, value of materiality, you know, and, and, and other people. So actually trying to fit myself within that system just felt very, very odd. Mm -hmm. um, and then when you left Jara as well, you were obviously part of Fashion East, which mm -hmm. was amazing for you, um, growing your business, your platform. How do you feel like that experience shaped your um, views on, 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 on your own growth, but also on the success of your business? Um, I kind Let's of practice. feel like before we even get to fashion East, I mean, I second everything that you said. Um, I think you put sort of the whole question of growth, um, into the many different assets that sort of you have to think about when you think about growth. Um, but for me, when I left, um, Central St. Martins in 2020, we, I think I got into Fashion East at the end of that year. Yeah. Um, and then did the first show in the February of the next year. Um, 
but before we got before we got to fashion is so I'd left uni and I was like, oh my God, we're in COVID and we're at home <laughs> and we're not doing anything. Um, but the, I, I kind of like really embraced the opportunity and the space because a lot of what happens when you leave uni is that it's the first time in your life where you're no longer a student. And yeah. the way that you think about your life up until that point that's the first like real defining moment where things shift um i think maybe you have that moment before when you graduate high school but i don't even think that that really is as big of a sort of shift in the way that you think once you actually graduate university and you realize that actually now i need to start a career now i need yeah. to actually on my own now like you're on your own now you know up until that point you have different ways of getting support um but then you leave uni and you're like whoa um i thought that i actually wanted to do this but i don't necessarily think that that's really what i want to do now that i'm on the other side and i can think a little bit more clearly um and I think a lot of what happens when students leave uni is that you end up in that cycle of like spiraling, of not really feeling like the path that you actually wanted to go down is the right path that you sort of see for yourself, but not really having the tools to sort of kind of break that down and try to navigate. Because also you're also just trying to figure out, okay, how do we even do this? How do we get a job? How do we mm -hmm. get into the industry? Like now that I've done all this and then I graduate and then it's, an empty void nothing yeah. happens you know and it's lonely um and it's lonely yeah and so i sort of really embraced that time of like not having the pressure of needing to f know the answer to the next step mm -hmm. um so i just leaned into doing what i loved doing which is making stuff out of stuff um and i think that's really what led me to fashion east mm -hmm. um I decided in that moment that um, I was not going to just sit around and wait for opportunities to come to me because I never did that. That's just not how my experience going throughout this entire world has ever been. So I went into COVID being like, okay, cool. This is what's going on. Probably not going to get a job anytime soon. So I'm just going to continue what I, what I love to do, which is just to make stuff. Um, and it's really interesting because I came to London coming from that point of view and that way of working. Then I sort of started learning about fashion history, fashion construction, etc., and learned how to pattern cut work for people, sort of really built up a, an understanding of what it is to run an atelier. I worked within a studio. I was a studio assistant. So I really got this I understanding of like, yes. So I really got this understanding of what it's like to make beautiful clothes. Um, but then I got into COVID and I was like, actually, I can't use any of those skills. I don't have a sewing machine. I have no fabric around me. What am I going to do? So then I just started upcycling again. Mm -hmm. I just started making stuff out of whatever clothes that I had around me that I couldn't find um, use for. And really that led me to Arise Fashion Week, which happened in December of that COVID year. Um, and I remember just making all of those stuff in the hotel room, like the days said, before yeah. the show, like cutting and, <laughs> and safety pinning and just like- the reality. Yeah, that's the reality of, of what yeah it was like and i i think there's something valuable in sort of presenting fashion that shows 
um, younger generation that actually you don't necessarily need to, while it's important to have the skills, that's not the only way to create an image or to create a vision, an identity. Um, and I think it was really important for me to sort of go back to that point of what it was like to intuitively create and how mm -hmm. to um, build a story out of nothing. And I think that there's so much value in that, especially in a time like now where you have Brexit, which means that you can't get fabrics anymore and everything is getting so much more mm -hmm. expensive. And digital passports coming soon. All of this, all of this sort of chaos that sort of makes it so much more difficult for you, for anyone getting into the industry to really grasp what it's like. I think it's really important to present things mm -hmm. that show you that actually you can do it just by creating out of what's around you and just building a story out of that yeah um so yeah i think i think that time just really honed in the values of what it's actually like to just trust in what's around you and create an economy for yourself and that led me to fashion ease which um was incredibly successful but i think now where i am is really just figuring out how to build a business model around this circular way of being yeah um and it's quite incredible when you just trust your intuition and you go with what feels right. Yeah, because we briefly spoke about this um, in another conversation where you mentioned about not wanting to go down a wholesale model mm -hmm. or a sort of traditional uh, fashion route mm -hmm. in that sense. Have you had any thoughts on that recently? Totally. So like how? Yeah. So I, one of the big problems when you're starting up a design studio is that obviously you need a lot of capital, you need a lot of money to be able to create these fashion collections. Um, so you have to start to think smartly about how you can skirt the system and mm -hmm. find ways to make it work. So one thing that I do is that I've started this untitled collection, which essentially is an ongoing work in progress collection where we make stuff out of upcycled T-shirts or reworked tailoring or reworked jeans. Um, and having this ongoing collection uh, where I can use every single thing that exists within that space to experiment, to test, but I'm also creating things of value, um, I think is one way to create an economy around just the act of creating value mm -hmm. um, and figuring out actually that there's a lot of places where these objects can find a home, like we said with, with Fantastic Twelves, and there's loads of concept stores that are really eager to have this kind of reworked, upcycled, one-off objects, which kind of function more as artworks. Um, and a lot of what the business kind of has been able to do is to actually sustain itself from mm -hmm. that line. Um, That's great. While we sort of figure out how we can build a wholesale model that actually works for us. Mm -hmm. um, another thing about growth is like, you have to move at your own pace and you mm -hmm. have to figure out of course, ways of creating an economy around yourself that allows you to um, sustain a business, sustain a studio, to sustain sort of having interns coming in and sort of material costs, et cetera. Um, but figuring out how to do that while you take time to really build a new business model around what your value system actually is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I think it's very important. Or really just to define it for yourself. Yeah, precisely. You have to yeah. define it for yourself. Yeah, no, a thousand percent. Mm -hmm. And Jennifer, so you've been a member of Trash Club now for about a year, almost now, maybe six months to a year, something like that. 
think less, but yeah. Was it less like already? It, it feels, feels like, like a really long time. Longer, I like it. No, it feels like you've been a part of the conversation for a really long time now. Um, and you spoke briefly about sort of understanding being part of a community or that you're a smaller part in a bigger system or how you fit into the a group of individuals. How has your experience with Trash Club developed the way in which you see your own practice? Well, it's been just like a safe space. I love safe spaces and... I mean, up until like probably now, like I'm, it's I don't really know anyone anyone yet like in real life. So then it's it's this sort of there's this anonymity that I like because it just feels like you can say something and then everyone's really honest. Mm-hmm. So I like that. I like to just be keep it transparent, just say it as it is. I think there's is the only way that we can sort of you know keep saying and what you were saying about the shared experiences of like you go to the trash talks and then. We all, even if we um, our practices are slightly different or we just do different things, like the concerns are always there, like the same. Yeah. It's the concern about being an entrepreneur, like running your business, like making sure, you know, that your business model works, that what you were saying about how are you going to sustain yourself? Like, you know, I do think intuition and then, but sometimes it is nice to to share like your concerns and then maybe someone will have like, you know, have gone through that perhaps before you or is going through it at the same time as you are. And then, you know, you just find that like support and they think that's been really nice. I look forward to it every Friday. And yeah, I mean, even though I don't know anyone personally, I think it's it's beautiful. I think it's just nice to, um, you know, and then people from all ages as well, because, you know, sometimes if you're always like hanging out with people your age, you know, it's not the same as like having the wisdom of someone who's been through it like for like, I don't know, 40 years. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that sort of maternal or like paternal advice of like, you know what, you'll be OK. It's OK. It's not forever. Even just having that, that like, you know, diversity of ages as well and experiences, is it's really nice from Trash Club and very, you know, we, we all need that support. And mm-hmm. And also, Joara, like really cool what you said about intuition. I think it's like really important. And I don't know if I hope hopefully now they teach it at like fashion school. But it is like something (laughs) that I wish I had like sort of understood, like when I was a student, that you have to keep it lean. You have to be adaptable. Like, you know, you have to understand that things might change, the times change and like, you know, you have to trust your intuition and how you do adapt, you know. And it's something that perhaps I mean, I don't know, sometimes when you come from like you know, the global south and it's like quite tough sometimes. I don't know if you don't come from money or whatever, you yeah. become really resourceful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like I'm so glad I have that. And like South Americans are like that crafty and like try to find a way. But it is about trusting that intuition. Like it took me probably a couple of years to really trust my intuition. I was mm-hmm. so worked up, you know, what you said, you work with other people, right? Mm-hmm. How do they do it? You try to learn, but their journey is so different. Mm-hmm. So like you, sometimes you have to, okay, learn, but just take what, that experience as what it is, like it's a face value and understand that everyone's journey is very different and, you know, what might work for someone might not work for you. Right. So you have the skills, but how do you apply them? It's like exactly. a completely different thing and you have to, you know, just adapt and lean and just just be open that things are going to change. And then I love what you said about like making your own economy. Like I think that's a really a good way to to explain it because it is about creating that for you as well with what you have so mm-hmm. that's really beautiful no 100% i think confidence has a lot to do that as well and having these trash talks every week i mean for me 
the trash talks have made me grow as a person exponentially in the last couple of years. Um, and I'm sure I can speak on behalf of Katie as well. And there've been definitely members who have come and gone, different mm. age groups, experience levels, demographics, backgrounds, um, cultural experiences, lived experiences. And actually the amount of individuals who feel a similar way to the way that you feel from different industries or different geographical locations even is so special that we can all come together and share these experiences, but also um, create the sense of self-growth through that, you know? And there's there's only, there has to be conversation in the future. That's just the way that it has to be. Because if we're not sharing these experiences or supporting each other or understanding that we're part of a bigger system yeah. and we're all interconnected, then there's no way that we can work in a, a sustainable way in the future. There's no sustainability. You know, it doesn't exist. The future doesn't yeah. exist. Um, so just before we wrap up, actually, thank you so much for coming, both of you. It's been a, fab a fabulous conversation. Um, think about the future of success or growth within yourself. What does that look like? Mm. Keeping it quite open-ended, not intentionally. I think the, I think the future um, looks like a future that, um, as you mentioned, allows, I, I'm trying to create value. Yeah. Really. I think that's, that's the most important thing is that the future looks like a space where everything that I can do can create value, whether it's within the relationships that I have within my company, the way that I treat staff members, the way that I treat my interns. Um, I think in every sort of exchange, there needs to be some, sense of value that's been given because I think we um, come from a sort of, we live in a capitalist society that sort of says that business is all about taking and not about giving. Um, but I think a circular society is one that takes and gives. Like and I that. think that for me is the most important thing. And I think that is what the future um, looks like. I love that. Thank you so much. That's and beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that all of that and, and more, I think... Um, I think we just need to, like, we're like probably the first, like, I guess, I don't know, we had like big revolutions throughout time, but I think now we're just going through one and like systems are changing, value systems are changing. Um, let's see what happens. I think now is the time where like innovation and opportunities can happen. Like maybe use globalization for good. Like that's why I love this sort of like more global communities, like what Trash Club is doing and what Fashion Revolution did. I think that is the future is like, how do we make it global, but local? Yes. Because we do need the awareness, like in order to keep growing and to expand and to also share experiences and knowledge, we do need those global systems. But it is about these local economies as well. Like how do we keep it organically grown and that it doesn't you know keep keeps like damaging our like ecosystems basically so it's just finding that balance i don't know where that will go exactly we're just going through like many shifts in the world so let's see i mean fashion sort of is going to dictate a little bit like the times but i guess it's easier to look back maybe in 10 years and see how this revolution is going to be called mm -hmm. but i do think i believe in the power of the collective and like small individuals, but like the collective. I think that's what's going to make it relevant and revolutionary. So I, I believe in collaboration. I think the future is definitely collabor collaboration. And we just need to embrace and, and be open to like leave the ego aside and just like be open to collaborate with 
different people, not only within fashion, like who cares about fashion? It's, it's not about that. It's about collaborating with other industries, people from different backgrounds, different like skill um, sets and just build it together. I think that is the the main shifting point in like be open to collaboration, grow together and just see what happens from there. Like op open to experimentation as well. Mm -hmm. Like obviously learn from the past, but like try to also be open to new ways of doing things. Like sometimes I guess fashion like takes a while to adapt into things. Yeah. Or sometimes the innovations stay on the very techie biological side, but it goes nowhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it feels like we just need to collaborate more and be open to what that looks like. Mm -hmm. That's, I guess, collaboration togetherness. That's the main word. For me. I love that. It's like, almost like decentralizing from the self. Yes. So this idea of defining success as an individual, rather than doing that, thinking mm -hmm. about how we can grow together yes. and how success looks in, in, a, in a group of people or in a collaboration together. Mm -hmm. Um, I love that. Thank you so much, both of you, for coming. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you both. Thanks for having us. Thank you. You're welcome. Been, Thank you so lovely. much. Thank you for listening to Behind the Bins podcast. We hope you enjoyed the episode and we'll see you at the next one. If you'd like to start a trash club hub in your area, then just get in touch at global at thetrashclub.co.uk or check us out on social media and see when we have opportunities available. Oh.